welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. A quick note before we jump in today's episode, I am hosting a virtual mindfulness meditation at home half day retreat. This is an opportunity to really slow down and nourish and restore your batteries to feel recharged from the inside out. So if you are interested in learning more or signing up and joining me on this May 8th, check out the show notes for more details. Today on the podcast, we have Julie Park with us, who is a UCLA-affiliated mindfulness educator. Julie has a background in pharmaceutical advertising, as well as has been in the health and fitness industry for the last 13 years. She helps stressed out individuals practice self-kindness through mindfulness and fitness. I can't wait for you to hear Julie's personal story, as well as all the wisdom she offers. So settle in. And enjoy. Welcome to the Centered in the City podcast, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Wade. I'm so excited to have you. And with the question, what does self-care mean to you? Self-care means to me um, that it's about living a very compassionate life. Mm -hmm. Self-care means to me that I can be authentic as I need to be to get to the next um, destination where I feel belonged and I feel true to myself. And I think a lot of times self-care, people use self-care as a way of uh, improving oneself. Um, And we approach it from a doing place but I really feel that self-care is really meeting myself in the moment where I am at. In other words, being in the moment just as it is, regardless of the outcome. Mm. And so it is not results-driven, it is purpose-driven, really looking at things in a larger uh, picture. Oh my, I love that. That just sounds like a, like, it's just like taking a seat with yourself in the depths of your soul, right? To be able to hold yourself and hear yourself and meet yourself wherever you are and not doing anything, but just really that sense of being in the present moment to acknowledge yourself. Yeah, I think so. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do that. 
but from my personal experience and also working with so many people in my health and wellness industry, I've really learned that self-care is not uh, a destination, but it's a process. Mm. It's part of the journey. And sometimes self-care means that you don't do anything. (laughs) I love that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Which is so hard for us in you know, our Western societies, right? The, mm-hmm. To not do. Will you tell us a little bit about your journey of practicing self-care? Hmm. Uh, that's a big question. And thank you for asking that. Um, I think I sometimes I feel like my self-care is somewhat <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> uh, so it's human. Not, <laughs> It's not a very uh, linear process and it is not a list of things to do. Um, And yeah, sometimes, yes, making a list of things to do is part of my self-care. However, it is not um, a linear process. In other words, um, I think for me, self-care has been really um, including my Mm, struggles as part of the process so struggles are not failures struggles are not something that I have to uh, fix get rid of and improve as soon as possible but it's something that I had to really be more present with in order for me to see things clearly Mm. Um, how do you see your mm. mindfulness practice Mm. as a practitioner and a mindfulness teacher and facilitator, how do you see mindfulness supporting you in the journey of practicing self-care? You're asking a lot of big questions. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But there are no, there are no wrong answers. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think it, this, in order to answer this question, I think I have to tell a little bit about who I am and how I'm here. Uh, For um, mm, I started my journey in health promotion and uh, wellness about 15 years ago due to my personal uh, own health illness. And during that recovery, I learned to meditate and exercise and do all sorts of things to get better. Um, And along with that, I also um, struggled with a lot of health, uh, mental health challenges depression, and also having some uh, overwhelming feelings that I was a mistake. Mm. I felt that I just could not fix myself and be better. Mm. I could not catch up with anybody uh, who seemed to be always ahead of me. Mm. And the overwhelming feeling of failure and stuckness really kept me away from living in the moment and cultivating that sense of wellness and sense of belonging. And so when I was recovering on my own um, and during that time for about almost four years, I was unemployed and having a lot of difficulties, you know, financially, mentally, and physically. And during that time, not only I learned to really explore many different modalities of self-care but what I learned is the mind shift Mm. so there was a moment um, during the time when I was ill I felt so uncertain of how I'm going to 
face the next day because I was feeling so isolated and devastated. And uh, one day I, you know, thought, okay, this is it for me. I can't do this anymore. And I'm done trying. I'm really done trying. And I've tried. I've been a good person. I have tried everything, but it's not working. And maybe this just, I can't do it anymore. I need to just stop this pain by not being here. And I really, uh, you know, made some difficult choices and I ended up at the hospital. And on the way, <laughs> when I was, um, you know, uh, better stabilized to go back home, the nurse told me, you have to go home now. And then I realized <laughs> I came to the hospital with, uh, by ambulance, but I realized I have no money, not even a dollar to go back home. <laughs> Wow. So what I did is I worked up the courage, but actually it wasn't a workup. I didn't have to work up the courage. I just had to get up and go to the nurse. It was a survival. I said, I need $2 so I can go home. Mm. <laughs> and the nurse looked at me um, with kind of puzzled look. Maybe she thought I was pathetic. Who knows, right? And I felt pretty pathetic, but I was like, you know, I got to live now because <laughs> You're in survival <laughs> mode. You you had this like yeah. new lease on life. Yeah. <laughs> so I borrow, I I guess let's say borrowed. I borrowed two dollars and I took this TTC and came back home. And I when I was taking a shower, I was telling myself, okay, I need to do this differently. Mm. Instead of trying to get rid of the problem I have, which is my health problem and all these uncertainties in my life. I need to see this in a different way. Mm. I'm going to treat my illness as my best friend. Wow. So from that day, I changed my dialogue. I changed my way of being. I changed how I talk to myself. Mm. I pretended that I was already healed. Mm. I spoke to myself and said, thank you for my healing. And every time I drink water every time I am eating, every time when I'm aware of my, of my surrounding, I exercise gratitude. And miraculously, in about six months, my health was very different. Wow. And I think that experience really taught me how to befriend my own challenges um, without try, without striving to change or fix, but being in that arena. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Julie, for sharing that story. And so many things of, it sounds like you were able to just meet yourself where you were and practice like gratitude for what is when you kind of had that mindset shift afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me, it brings up inside me kind of tears came to my eyes as you were sharing, because when I was diagnosed with cancer and I was going through chemo, I remember having a similar conversation with my body because I was angry at my body. I was angry at my cells for turning cancerous and mutating. And when I realized I could continue to be an enemy with my body, which was going to bring me nowhere, but unhelp an unhelpful 
place and unhealthy place, I had to, that shift inside of me too, that said, okay, like you get to be part of this healing journey. Mm. And so that's when I also started my meditation practice where when I'd sit down, I'd envision sending my body love and my cells healing energy and the food I'd eat had this healing power. Mm. So I so can resonate with what you're sharing. And it is, it's such a powerful insight to connect to. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I think there's a reason why we, you know, connected pretty well from the beginning, because maybe there was a mutual understanding of how um, my living mindfully isn't just about uh, sitting in silence and uh, watching my thoughts, but actually being in the trenches and being in the moment of the difficulties and exercising compassion. And I think it's important to also um, recognize how that kind of journey that you and I have been, but also a lot of people are in currently, it's not an easy journey. It's Mm -hmm. not a smooth sail. And just because we make an intention of being present, even when things are difficult, doesn't mean it gets less, um, you know, um, difficult. in fact, because we are uh, wholeheartedly um, allowing ourselves to be in the moment, sometimes it may be even more challenging. Um, and yet, you know, um, I think somehow having that intention to be in the present, but also um, letting myself be as authentic as I can allows me to expand the pathway that I am walking on. Mm. It's not as narrow and con- uh, contracted, yeah. but it's more, um, it's wider and it's expansive in the ways that allows me to make a mistake if I do mm. and not uh, see it as a failure, but it's part of the bigger picture. Mm. Um, yeah. I love that imagery of kind of more permission to play Hmm. and be in versus kind of walking on this tightrope of restriction. Yeah. Tell me what has shifted in your life since you were able to really meet yourself with Hmm. compassion and, and choose this new mindset and state of being. A lot of things. I think um, one thing for sure is learning to, um ask for help mm. when I need yeah uh, and not um cocoon myself in self-shame mm. um but also having a lot of flexibility uh in other words um resiliency I think there has been uh, you know even after I learned to meditate and practice mindfulness and exercise and Um, actually transitioned my career from pharmaceutical advertising to fitness and health promotion, you know, and it's been about 13 years. Yet Mm. within that 13 years, I had a lot of ups and downs and I struggled with, you know, uh, this um, depression uh, time and time. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, you know, it's not perfect. And, you know, I still doubt myself and I still sometimes feel very devastated. 
Um, and then also carry this uh, little bit of, you know, doubt, like, how can I be a mindfulness teacher when I struggle to be mm-hmm. in the present and, you know, um, embrace life to the fullest? Mm-hmm. Um, yet, I think what really um, has really taught me uh, through this journey is that, and also noticing how um quickly I bounce back I guess mm. um, or maybe I shouldn't say quickly but uh, has more um, resilience to that like it's like there's more buoyancy around mm. how I, I bounce back how I come back to myself uh, whenever I go into that deep dark place of you know self-doubt and mm. worries and um, devastation and I mm. somehow find myself again with a little more hopefulness. And that's what I noticed even uh, last year when I, uh, during this, you know, first phase of the lockdown, I learned uh, about a a very close friend of mine uh, uh, passing from suicide. Mm. Uh, Part of me felt very devastated and a lot of loss, uh, the grief that I felt, but, from that experience again i realize i have a choice i have a choice to be present i have a choice to stay awake Mm. and i have a choice to um, exercise the muscles of my mind to create good in my life and share good with others and that has made another big shift for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we all have our own journey and everybody struggles with their own uh, difficulties. Um, wow, what yeah. a, a big year, <laughs> you know, that was for you and to not only be on your own mental health journey, but then to lose somebody close to you. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing, again, you you saw this experience as a choice point, a choice point to choose life and to choose staying present and awake, even in the hurt, right? Even in the grief, which mm-hmm. sometimes is so overwhelming. I know from losing my mom that we want to hide from it. We want to numb it. We want to Mm. ignore it, but to meet it right where Mm. it is, right. It's Mm. kind of full circle. That's the practice of self-care. It sounds like you, as you define. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think it's very, um, like, you know, how science proves that, you know, we're very sensitive to pain and we remember, um, these, you know, difficult experiences more than the positive ones, because this is our body's wisdom and the way of, you know, creating more environmental resilience by remembering what was difficult. So next time we can prevent it. But at the same time, it also works as a um, automatic pilot mode where we are constantly worried and also regurgitating this, you know, the difficulties that we may be going through or we were going through before. So what I've learned to do is that whenever I catch myself going through a difficulty, I ask myself, where is my mind at? Where am I? Mm. And from there, I work my way forward. 
um, without really having like big, you know, grand ideas mm -hmm. about who I'm going to be or what I'm going to become, but having a day, a friend of mine, whenever I struggled with, you know, uh, suicidal ideation for a long time, she used to say to me, have a day. Mm. So she meant, okay, don't look too far. Don't look too far behind or mm -hmm. forward, mm -hmm. but have a day. Just be here. Be here now. Mm. Mm. And all of us need that right now, I think. Yeah, yeah that yeah. reminds me of um, Mark Brackett, who studies emotional intelligence. Mm. He talked about, you know, stress is when we're experiencing life with not enough resources, mm. too much demand and not enough resources. And fear is when we're experiencing danger and anxiety is when we're experiencing uncertainty. Mm. And it sounds like, right, when we allow our minds to think too much into the future, that uncertainty, that overwhelm can feel really heavy and, and, and overwhelming, right? We just get kind of like lost in the sauce of it. And so that I love that reframe, that lens focus of let's just focus on this day. Mm. Do you ever do a practice? I can, I find this personally helpful when I'm anxious, but to just find your feet. Mm. Cause like wherever your feet are, yeah. you are, and that is the present moment. And right. that helps me get out of my head and into my body and like and my body is in the present moment. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Grounding helps really a lot, um, you know, connecting to the body. But also what I found really helpful is using uh, my eyesight or hearing mm -hmm. to really uh, expand my awareness um, and then the other thing I really, um, uh, this is my favorite go-to, and it's very automatic for me, is self-talk, but uh, self-talking to the anxiety or the fear. Mm -hmm. So instead of like, you know, using this mindfulness context, instead of getting rid of or trying to push away those feelings, I acknowledge that it is necessary for me to know, uh, go through this experience. Mm. And in fact, you know, this is a very common human experience. So I talk to my fear self or my anxiety self and say, okay, well, you are here. Okay. You're allowed. You're allowed to hang out. <laughs> mm. And then I say, okay, well, I'm going to choose to focus on something else for now, but you can hang around. And in fact, I talked about this this morning at a class that I facilitate in the morning, and it's called Awakening Joy with Mindfulness. And I said, if there is something that's been following you around <laughs> in your mind, and it really keeps you away from the present, can you file it somewhere? Imagine you have a filing system somewhere in your mind. Can you file it somewhere or put it in a box or place it in a room that you don't have to uh, be with in the moment mm. so yeah I like to practice a variety of things and I think that's what also the beauty of the self-care is you know there isn't one answer but there are many answers and everybody has their own ways of finding meaning of wellness yes 
snaps to that because, you know, one of the things I think can be so toxic in our world is we kind of prescribe certain Mm. processes or things, but really it's so unique and mindfulness, in my opinion, is that that tool that helps people listen to themselves more deeply so they can honor their, them, their self, their unique self and meet them where they are so that the strategies that you just shared are so beautiful. And it sounds like also a invitation for people to explore what works for them, right? Where do they get to meet themselves? Mm. What can they uh, practice of, of acceptance and compassion? Um, can they offer themselves and how does that get to look? Exactly. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And that's what I really hope that people will um, exercise more. Um, Meaning um, I want people to really see that um, wellness self-care isn't confined just in fitness classes Mm -hmm. or meditation classes. It could be choosing to go outside for a walk because you know, walking outside is the best remedy for your well-being yeah yeah Mm. I love that practicing meeting yourself where you are day to day what does look what does that inner dialogue get to sound like because I've noticed you know we're so harsh with ourselves we are Mm. we can be our worst enemy instead of our best friend so what are some other like, examples or tonality or inspiration of meeting self with some gratitude and some compassion? Hmm. Um, I think it's uh, something to do with finding a compassionate voice. And that's hard. It's not easy. However, if you imagine yourself talking to a a friend that you really care about? Can you borrow that voice Mm. and speak it to yourself? Or is there a being or, um, I don't know, your pet, you know, Mm -hmm. or some gentle... um, A little baby or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think borrowing that voice, compassionate, kind voice might be helpful. But also... um, um, exercising empathy towards oneself in other words instead of comparing and competing um, against the idea of what you want to be or what you think you need to be Mm. but um, really claiming your own space from where you are um, honoring your own journey um, and then creating from that process, you create more space for you to figure things out. And that could mean that you may not know the answer to how to help yourself and feel better uh, when things are tough, but mm-hmm. it allows you to be playful, like what you said, you know, it's a, you know, like people use my people use example to describe mindfulness and people say it's a self-care tool. But I want to challenge that idea and say, instead of tool, can we say uh, self-care uh, toy? <laughs> you know, like, you know? So can we be more playful with that idea? Mm. Can we be a little bit more experimental with that idea? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God. 
we could all we could all use some more toys to play with, right? So why not pick up why not pick up a mindfulness toy, right? To bring mm. some some levity, some joy, some more heart into our daily lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. What do you feel like mm. on your journey? If if there is somebody out there who's struggling with mental health right now, which there are many, especially mm-hmm. as we're still managing the pandemic. What are some words of wisdom you might offer them to know that they're not alone, to mm-hmm. know that, to support them on their journey, wherever they might be? Mm-hmm. I think uh, you've already answered a part of what I was going to respond with, which is Remember that you're not alone. Mm. When we are in those moments, those peak moments where it's very dark, narrow, uh, isolating, um, we often, or at least my version of that experience is I often felt so alone that there is no other solution. Even when someone is reaching out to you, it feels like you just want to push that away. Mm. So, um, I want to remind everyone who's listening right now, feeling doubtful and lonely, um, remind yourself, you are not alone. At least we are not alone. We, me and you, whoever is listening, <laughs> you are not alone. And um, remember that all things pass away. Everything is impermanent. Everything has a beginning and ending, just like this podcast, Mm-hmm. just like a uh, pandemic eventually it will end just like our life birth and death so even this feeling that feeling of difficulty even though in that moment it's so intense it will pass you just have to hold on to it a little longer mm-hmm. and in order to hold on to it a little longer that seat belt that you need to hold on to Sometimes you do need help. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. And maybe when you're a little better, when you're feeling a little bit more stable, have a conversation with someone who you can trust and ask them to check in on you when you really need that help. Mm. So having some proactive um, you know, uh, crisis plan could be really helpful if um, any of you are going through this more often these days. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so know that you're not alone and remind yourself this will pass and have a crisis plan that can be very proactive and uh, recovery focused. Mm. I love that. And I'll link a crisis hotline information Mm. in the show notes for anybody looking for support who might be listening in. Mm. Julie, thank you so much for being here for opening your heart for sharing your story for dropping so much wisdom and insight and even just the way that you're talking this podcast I can just feel my nervous system be soothed and feel like a gentle internal hug so Mm. thank you thank Mm. you for being here Mm. thank you Wade where can people stay connected to you and find you and learn more about you. 
Um, I have a website. Um, it's aware-fitness.com. Um, and then I am offering some mindfulness programs here and there. Um, I do not have really a social media platform except the LinkedIn. Uh, that's one of my self-care protocol. <laughs> You're so good at LinkedIn too. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> She's very yeah. inspiring if you, if you become LinkedIn buddies with her. Um, thank you so much for having me here, Wade. Um, I hope everyone who listens to this podcast will also feel a little bit more hopeful that self-care is not very far away. It's not something that has to be perfect. Um, and wherever you are, you have the agency and um, the resource to help yourself in the ways that works for you. That's what I want to really uh, live with. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. I would love to hear your thoughts and your takeaways from this episode. Feel free to continue the conversation on Instagram at OneWade or leave a review. It helps so much to keep the efforts of all of this work continue to ripple into our world. Until next time, stay centered.